everybody. We are Joe and Rachel Tenney. We're friends of Kevin, and he's kindly given us a chance to share with you what we are doing with our podcast, Control Free Christianity. Sometimes good and beautiful things like the Bible, church, even teachings about God himself are misused. People can use these things of God to control, manipulate, and abuse others. What should bring freedom in life end up bringing bondage? How do we work through things like spiritual abuse, narcissism in the church, and overbearing authority? Join Rachel and I as we podcast most weeks as we share what has brought us and so many other people freedom in Jesus. We would love to have you join us. You can find us by searching for Control Freak Christianity on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform, or you can head to controlfreakchristianity.com. See you there. You're listening to the serialized preview of The Many Phases of Lily Andrews, Phase 4, Artificial, written and read by Kevin Morris. To unlock the full ad-free version of this audiobook as it airs, head over and support the project on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash lilyandrews. That's Lily spelled L-I-L-Y. If you haven't yet listened to the original three short stories, Phases 1 through 3, they are available on Audible. The link is in the show notes. To learn more, visit theminiphasesoflilyandrews.com. Thanks for listening. Chapter 5. Moonlight Dad, what is narcolepsy? To Lily's father, the question seemed to come from nowhere. However, it had been brewing in Lily's mind all afternoon. The two sat on their couch facing the television. He, straight but relaxed, her sprawled out with her head on his shoulder. Their favorite trivia show had just ended, leading to a seamlessly endless procession of commercials. This was usually about the time Lily's mother would call from the kitchen that dinner was ready. However, tonight, the woman of the house had errands to run and was picking up pizza on the way home. So they waited. That's an interesting word. Where'd you hear it? Her dad asked, muting the TV. I heard a teacher say they thought a student might have it, Lily confessed. Then her anxiety came rushing out. Does it mean you're like a zombie? Another teacher said that same kid was a zombie in their class. Lily, there are no such thing as zombies, her father said after a chuckle, his voice warm and soothing. It's an expression. They probably meant he was very tired all the time. Narcolepsy is an illness some people have where they can't control when they fall asleep. So they don't get to sleep at night? Lily pondered aloud. No, that's a different disorder. It means they can fall asleep at any time, day or night, without meaning to. It's really dangerous. People like that can't drive or do anything that relies on their attention. So someone could be talking and suddenly just fall asleep? Exactly. They never know when it'll happen. I really hope this student you heard about doesn't really have narcolepsy. It has to be a terrible way to live. Yeah, Lily agreed distantly. The wheels were turning in her head, straining to think of anyone she knew who fell asleep a lot. I hope you weren't eavesdropping again. Lily's dad teased, jabbing her in the side. The contact caused her to squeal and grit her teeth at the same time. I couldn't help it. I was waiting by myself and the teachers were talking behind me. Just don't make it a habit, her father warned lightly. It could come back to bite you. As he said the word bite, he formed his hand into a claw and went for her side again. This time she was unable to suppress a fit of laughter. 
When he finally quit and Lily caught her breath, her eyes went to her backpack, resting in the alcove. Oh, I forgot, she started, rising from the couch and walking over to it. I found these batteries today. Acquiring the items, she returned to the couch, holding out the power cells. You can have them. I don't have anything that takes nine volts. That's very gracious of you. He grinned, taking the batteries. You know, the smoke detector in our room started making noises earlier today. I think it's about to die. Thanks, Lily Blossom. Food's here, her mother's voice echoed through the house from the front door. The first person to help me bring it in gets the first slice of pizza. I got it, Miles shouted, barreling down the stairs. He could be quick and alert when he wanted to. Another thought struck Lily at the last second. Oh, Dad, one more thing. At this point, her father had already stood up from the couch and was heading out of the room. What's up, kiddo? Can I go to the fort with William tonight? The river was much clearer that night. Without the haze that usually skimmed its surface, the rippling water reflected a distorted image of the sky. Instead of observing the stars from the upper floor of the fort, the two cousins wandered about aimlessly on the bank. So what exactly did you ask Mrs. Cassandra today when you were pretending to get Amy another popsicle? Lily inquired. William did not answer right away. He had managed to climb halfway up a miniature forked tree and stood in midair with each foot firmly against one of the two trunks. I told her a riddle, he finally admitted. The boy had an arsenal of jokes and brain teasers ready at all times. Lily rolled her eyes, which went unnoticed in the darkness. Then, with a grin, she said, Let's hear it. Okay, her cousin began. What occurs once in every minute twice in every moment, and yet never in a thousand years. Lily ran through some possibilities in her head, but she was more eager to hear the answer than to guess it. I give up. The letter M. You're a goober, she said through a smile after taking a moment to verify the answer. Maybe, he replied. Thanks again for knowing exactly what to do. We were so simpatico. His shoes slipped slightly on the tree, resulting in the alarming scraping of rubber against bark. Are you okay? Lily asked as William used his arms to stop himself. Of course, I got this. Satisfied that her cousin was stable again, Lily bent down and picked up a leaf. She then proceeded to slowly tear it into pieces. When she finished, she held the fragments out on her open palm and blew on them. As they lifted into the air, she caused them to evaporate into a greenish mist, appearing as if the leaf had originally been a powder. The girl then made her way over to the fort and retrieved the thermos she had placed there ten minutes before. Want a drink? she asked William, who immediately leapt from his position in the tree. He knew what Lily had in that thermos. He could get it nowhere else. Sure, he answered, coming over. Lily used the lid of the thermos as a cup for William. A warm glow emanated from the canteen as it opened. The liquid shone as she poured it, almost as if it were radioactive. Lily's favorite form of sunlight was always the most stunning at night, where it contrasted the darkness. After each had a cup in hand, they exchanged a smile and drank deeply. Immediately after taking their first gulp, they paused to observe one another. This was their favorite thing to do on their nights alone. Lily watched the light from the beverage glow a reddish-orange through her cousin's skin as it traveled down his throat, knowing all the while that the same was happening with her. So cool, William mouthed as he witnessed the phenomenon. Eventually, the faint luminance would reach their bellies, or it would taper and die. I wish Emmy could see this. William finally sighed once fascination had released him. She'd love it. Yeah, probably, Lily agreed absently. 
She knew where this was going. You've got to tell her eventually, William pushed, giving back the empty lid of the thermos. Why? Lily deflected, twisting the top back onto the container. She's her best friend. But will she still be if I show her? What if it scares her like mom and dad? Lily worried about little apart from keeping her secret. But this meant that, compared to the average sixth grader, she worried a lot. And most of her anxiety could be attributed to the situation with Emmy. I think there's a better chance of her not wanting to be your friend if you don't tell her and she finds out. How is she going to find out? Bitterness crept into Lily's tone now. She did not mean to get cross with her cousin. He just always made it a point to make her think about the one thing she did not want to. William took a deep breath. He knew he had pushed her buttons. He began again, meekly this time. I'm not just saying that you should tell her because I want her to know. You spend a lot of time together. She's bound to see something eventually. If you don't tell her first, she's going to be crushed because she would have been right. We will have been keeping a secret from her. I know, I know. But what if she can't keep it a secret? What if she slips up and mentions it in front of my parents? Do you really not trust her that much? William's words caused Lily to hesitate. When she did not answer, her cousin pursued the line of thought further. Did she do something to make you not trust her? After another moment's pause, Lily took in a deep breath. Do you remember that flower necklace mom gave me for my birthday last year? Yeah, the really shiny one? William acknowledged curiously. Whatever happened to it anyway? You wore it like every day for a month and then... And then I went to summer camp, Lily cut him off, and met Emmy. She went silent again, contemplating the best way to tell the story. Do you remember that time I accidentally turned that entire honeysuckle plant into liquid because you told me you could drink honeysuckle and I didn't understand at first? Uh, yeah. William seemed to ask more than respond. What does that have to do with summer camp? I'm getting there, Lily insisted. I've made a couple of mistakes like that. I imagined drinking the honeysuckle, just not the way you meant. My imagination got away from me, and the whole plant became liquid. Some of the juice you made still tasted good, though. William laughed, scratching the back of his head. Lily gave him a hard stare. Sorry, I'm listening. I messed up at summer camp, too. One day I was changing into my bathing suit to go to the lake with Emmy. We had both gone to our own cabins, so I was by myself. I took off my necklace because I didn't want to lose it in the water. It was so pretty when I put it on the table. The diamonds looked like fairy dust. Then the necklace started to become fairy dust. You evaporated it? Yeah, and by the time I figured out what I was doing, it was too late. It's hard to not imagine things like that, especially when you can make them happen. I really liked that necklace, and I was afraid Mom would be hurt if I stopped wearing it. I'd been crying when Emmy knocked on the door, and she asked what was wrong. I told her I'd lost my necklace. She wanted to help me find it, but I said it was no use, that I'd looked everywhere. Lily stopped to recover for a moment after realizing she had not been taking in enough air. I asked her to keep it a secret when we got home. I thought maybe Mom wouldn't notice. Because I evaporated it, it felt like if my parents found out it was gone, they would find out about what I can do. That's silly, William interjected. I know, but that's how I felt. Then, about a week later, Emmy came over for dinner for the first time. Mom forgot an ingredient for the soup she was making and had to go to the store. But she lost her keys. While we helped look for them, Emmy asked if I ever found my flower necklace. In front of Mom. As soon as she asked, she knew she'd slipped. Then Mom wanted to know what happened to it, 
so I told her I'd probably lost it somewhere on the campgrounds. She made me call the owners and have them look for it and everything. It wasn't fun. That stinks, William concurred, but your parents didn't find out about your power. No, Lily lowered her voice, but when Emmy let that secret slip, I imagined her letting my secret slip. But that's not what she did, William reminded her, and I bet she felt terrible. She did. She wouldn't stop saying she was sorry. It was an accident, William began with new determination. You know, I could just as easily slip up and say something. I make mistakes too. But you haven't yet, Lily halted him. You've been super careful. Emmy couldn't keep a small secret. She did not have to finish. Flustered, her cousin exhaled loudly. However, his frustration seemed to leave him with that breath. That was almost a year ago, Lily. She knew the boy only used her name when what he was saying was serious. And I bet Emmy has felt terrible about it ever since. There's no way she's forgotten. I still haven't forgotten how mean I was to you before you saved my life. Give her a little more credit. We both know you'd feel better if you just told her. It's just a little scary is all, she admitted. Though she'd expounded on her wariness of Emmy's ability to keep her secret, it really was not the thing that scared her the most. They had already touched upon her deepest fear in this situation. Lily was afraid of Emmy rejecting her. Since she had turned ten, she had been having a reoccurring dream about the way her parents had looked at her when she was five and had tried to introduce them to liquid sunlight. William knew about this nightmare. What he did not know was that lately, instead of her parents, it was Emmy in those dreams, staring at her with a mixture of disbelief and horror. This was the main cause of the fear that kept her from confiding in Emmy. She did not want to lose her best friend. There was no guarantee she could handle learning what Lily could do like William had. You can't be afraid forever. No one will ever know who you are. Not really. Plus, no one else will ever taste liquid sunlight, William said. Though both of these things bothered her, it was the second part that convicted her the most. She would feel like the most selfish person in the world if she kept such a good thing to herself her entire life. William's words, true as they were, did not cast out her fear. But they did drain Lily of the will to argue. She wanted nothing more now than to drop the subject and go over it in her head later when she was alone. Sensing this, William walked over to the fort and leaned against its side, staring up at the sky. It's so bright out tonight, he offered. It's a full moon, Lily explained, embracing the shift in topic. Oh yeah, it is. The boy had somehow missed this. He now stood fixated on the celestial object. Lily, he gasped suddenly. What? She responded, slightly worried by the abrupt use of her name. I can't believe I never thought of this before, he stated with a new sense of excitement. Have you ever wondered what moonlight would taste like? At this, Lily relaxed. I've already tried it. Her tone was proud. She rarely thought of things like this before her ever-mindful companion. Really? How come you never told me? I guess I just forgot. This was the honest truth. All the two had done the first few months after Lily discovered the depths of her abilities was experiment. However, after that, she often tried things by herself. It was hard to keep track of them all. Well, what did it taste like? The whole experience came rushing back to her. It's hard to explain. At first it feels cool, like cold water, or maybe even kind of minty. But as it goes down, it warms you up, just like liquid sunshine. When you're done, you kind of feel like you just drank sunlight. That actually makes sense in a way, William considered. Did you know that moonlight is actually just sunlight reflected off the moon? 
Where do you learn all this stuff? Lily asked rhetorically. I actually learned this from Dad, William explained, feeling the need to answer anyway. The moon is like a mirror, giving us light when the sun doesn't seem to be around. Doesn't seem to be around? Well, the earth spins, right? When it's night here, it's day somewhere else. There's always a side of the earth facing the sun, so the sun never really leaves. We just face away from it sometimes. The moon helps us see then. Gotcha. Could I maybe try some? Sure, Lily obliged, again removing the lid from the thermos. She held it up like an offering to the heavens. When she lowered it, the newly formed liquid within glimmered, as if someone had placed a small crystal light beneath its surface. The glow and color were very similar to how snow reflects moonlight. A thin fog rose off its surface, resembling the river itself. Wow, William marveled. It's pretty, right? I can't believe you forgot to tell me about this. Sorry, maybe it was when your family was out of town or something. Taking the cup from Lily, William drank the liquid. His facial expressions shifted in awe as he swallowed. Whoa, you're right. It is warm on the way down. Told you, Lily grinned at her cousin's first taste. It's not quite the same as liquid sunlight, though, is it? Sunshine does seem to have something moonlight doesn't. Can you see it go down? It took Lily a moment to catch the meaning behind her cousin's question. She concentrated on William's throat. No, it must not be bright enough. I guess even though it's technically sunlight, you'd need the real thing for that. She let him take another drink or two before acquiring the lid and taking a swig herself. The peace that had been shattered during the conversation about Emmy returned, giving her temporary freedom from the ever-looming decision. Hey, William began, a playful grin spreading across his face. Yeah? If a drink from the sun is called liquid sunshine, does that mean that a drink from the moon is called moonshine? He snickered as he said it. I don't get it, she said, putting a damper on the boy's fun. You know, moonshine, like alcohol. Oh, Lily said, feeling a bit immature. I guess I've never heard of it. Sorry. You're so sheltered, William remarked. Then, recognizing his cousin's embarrassment, he laughed again. It's okay. People never get my jokes. At least I crack myself up. Lily knew the bit about people not getting his jokes was not true. William was known school-wide as a funny guy. However, his statement did make her feel better. By the way, William spoke again after a few minutes of savoring the beverage. What did you do with those batteries? Lily endured a flashback of William's fulfilled prediction of her sitting on the hard objects. She reminded herself that he did not know. After that, she responded, I gave them to Dad to use for the smoke detector, but when he tried to use them after dinner, they were already dead. Chapter 6. Pursuit Lily let what remained of her lunch slide off her cafeteria tray into the waste bin. She had made quick work of eating her pizza. After all, it was perhaps the most coveted entree that the lunchroom offered. However, she had run out of steam before finishing off the fruits and vegetables served on the side. Girl, you need to put some meat on those bones, one of the lunch ladies teased, taking the tray. Lily just smiled and dipped her head. She never knew how to respond to statements like that. Callan and Emmy waited for her in the hallway just outside the cafeteria, eager to get outside. Lunch and recess both happened in the span of 40 minutes. The more time spent eating, the less time one got outside. After a quick trip to the restroom, the girls traversed the corridor towards the light of the double doors leading to the playground. As they did, the sound of boots stomping on the roof echoed down the passage. 
The workers they had seen yesterday had not solved whatever electrical problem was causing the outages. The issue actually seemed to be getting worse. They were only halfway through the day and already the lights had flickered three times, going out completely twice. Stepping outside, the three were greeted by a faint rainbow that seemed to linger mid-air before their eyes. Every now and then, maintenance would forget to turn the sprinklers off. Even though the drizzle was only aimed at the grass by the door, it still meant having to run through the water to reach the rest of the playground. Callan counted to three and the girls sprinted into the spray, squealing and covering their hair with their hands. That felt good, Emmy panted once they were through. They stopped to assess any damage the water might have caused. Once deciding she would live, Lily spun back around and watched as other students emerged from the building and ran through the sprinklers. It was then that she noticed the boy that had been tripped at the track. Since then, she had been trying to work up the courage to ask him if he knew anything about the batteries she found. He was squatting to their far left, catching his breath and running his hands through his hair to shake loose any excess moisture. He held a pair of sunglasses, which he wiped off with his damp shirt before putting back on. When he was done, he lightly touched his chin. As he did, a look of horror seized him, and he began frantically rummaging through his pockets. Hey guys, Lily said, trying to gain her friend's attention. Yeah? Callan answered first. Isn't that the boy who got tripped at the track yesterday? Her friend's eyes made their way to the kid, who now had a bandage on his chin and was smoothing it with his index finger. Yeah, I think so, Callan acknowledged. You know Garrett got suspended until next Monday. Lily let out an exaggerated sigh. Sorry, Callan said, acknowledging her interruption. What about that kid? See the band-aid on his face? Lily asked whoever would listen. Yeah, that's where he scraped his chin on the pavement, Emmy chimed in. His legs got hurt bad, too. That's probably why he's wearing pants today. I think he always wears pants, Emmy, Callan remarked. But then again, look what happened to him when he wore shorts. He is kind of a strange guy, though. He always wears those sunglasses, too. Ignoring her friend's tangent, Lily continued. Well, a second ago, he wasn't wearing it. His pants? Emmy asked, genuinely concerned. No, the Band-Aid. Oh, Emmy shrunk, fighting back a smile. The urge to laugh almost overtook Lily, but she managed to suppress it. I think the sprinklers made it come off. When I looked over there, he realized it was gone and was going through his pockets trying to find another one. So what? Callan was getting impatient. There's no scrape on his chin. It's completely gone. No way, Emmy dismissed her. We saw him yesterday. He was all banged up. Yeah, Callan agreed. He had a huge gash. That doesn't just go away overnight. I'm telling you, it was gone, Lily protested. You probably couldn't see it well because of the water, Callan suggested. But he was out of the water. You must have been at the wrong angle then. Callan was not backing down. Come on, Emmy nagged, obviously over the whole discussion. We're supposed to be playing kickball with William's friends. The boy had a thing for heights. That much was obvious as Lily watched him swing so high that the entire frame of the swing set rocked. She could never handle going up that far. When she tried, the motion always pushed her stomach into her throat, a feeling she had decided she could live without. Strike one, Austin Little shouted. Hey, Earth to Lily, Emmy's voice broke through Lily's thoughts. Regaining focus, she realized it was her kick. Miles must be rubbing off on her. With her ears turning red, her shoe made contact with the rubber kickball on the second roll, sending it flying just left of center field. Bodies scrambled after it as the opposing team attempted to retrieve the ball in time to stop her. 
She passed first base easily enough, but ended up getting caught just after rounding second. She shrugged it off as she returned to her team. Emmy was much more sympathetic than Callan, who always cared way too much about any form of competition. Finding a moment to look around, Lily glanced towards the swings again. However, the strange boy was no longer there. He had moved on. Searching frantically, she eventually spotted him walking past the merry-go-round on the far side of the playground. This piqued Lily's curiosity, as no one ever went over there. There was nothing in that area except the heating and cooling units, which lined a small passage formed by the outer walls of two separate buildings of the school. Even this breezeway led to a dead end. The only time she'd ever heard of anyone going down there was during the winter, and that was only because the heat emitted from the units made it the warmest outdoor spot on school grounds. However, the teachers frowned on students hanging out around the passage because it made them hard to keep an eye on. I'll be right back, Lily told Emmy as Callan stepped up to the plate. Best to leave while the dedicated one among them was preoccupied. Their team had more players anyway, so her absence would not tip the balance. You okay? Emmy asked, noticing her distraction. Yeah, I just want to look at something. Before Emmy could ask what, as she no doubt would have, Lily turned and jogged towards the merry-go-round. The boy had already started down the breezeway when Lily arrived. Keeping distance between them was crucial if she wanted to remain hidden. If she leaned against the wall at the mouth of the passage, she should be able to see what he was up to while going unnoticed. Her shoulder made contact with the wall, its grainy surface scratching her arm through her shirt sleeve. After wincing and taking a deep breath, she chanced to look around the corner. Three cooling units down the passageway, the boy stood with one leg hiked up on the nearest air conditioner. Lily was in luck. She was propped against the wall on the right side of the opening, while the kid's foot rested on a unit on the left side. This meant that his focus was away from her, even though his back was not completely turned. Despite the distance between them, she had just enough of an angle to make detailed observations. The boy pulled the bottom of his pants leg up over his knee, revealing white medical tape wrapped around his shin. Then, with great haste, he began unwrapping it. As he finished, Lily could see that the interior of the bandages was stained red. The exposed wound hurt to look at. It was as if someone had used sandpaper to remove the top layer of skin. The boy grimaced as his hand brushed the injury while undressing it. He opened his mouth, but Lily could not hear whatever sound he made. Every one of the machines in the alley was running, their drones slapping off the two walls and drowning out all of their sound. She pulled back for a moment. With the back of her head pressed flat against the building, she collected herself. Lily did not like blood. In fact, if it were not for her curiosity, she would have turned tail and ran rather than subject herself to more of the sight. But there were too many questions. Fearing missing any more activity, she slowly peered around the wall again. The kid now sat on a nearby unit with both of his legs hanging over the front. This caused Lily to shrink back as he could now spot her with a slight turn of his head. She maintained a line of sight, though. If he saw her, it would only be from the eyes up. But the boy showed no signs of looking up anytime soon. Focusing hard, he pressed his palms firmly against the cooling box that supported him. Lily thought at first that he might be trying to lift himself. But at that moment, the atmosphere quieted, and the many sounds of the playground slowly became audible again. It took her a second to realize that every single one of the cooling units had shut off simultaneously. Oddly enough, though they no longer made noise, Lily swore she could still feel the vibration in the air. A chill ran down her back, and a single shiver seized her. Surely this was a coincidence. She was just already spooked from the strangeness of it all. The boy did not move, his hands still on the unit's surface. 
But just as the sound of the cooling machines had faded, so did Lily's thoughts of anything else. For as the boy sat with his palms down on the metal box, the wound on his bare leg began to disappear. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Did you know that The Many Faces of Lily Andrews has companion music? There's an eight-song collection called The Apristi EP, written by Kevin Morris, available now on Spotify or wherever you get your music. I tried to write the lyrics in a way that won't spoil the plot, so feel free to listen in any order you like. But my hope is that the songs will mean more after hearing the story. A link to that is available in the show notes. Until next time.